Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. This particular episode is from a series we call Conversations with a Collective. In this series, I'm accessing the depth and the breadth of the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the questions and comments that I receive back from the collective. Enjoy! My dear friend, I believe you are an alchemist, someone capable of creating through a seemingly magical process. You are a bridge between the energy state of things and manifested reality. You are a being of power. All you need is the right level of guidance. My new book titled 72 Keys to Manifestation is here to help. To find out more or to get your copy, visit thisismaria.com. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with a Collective or Conversations with My Higher Self. Um, it's one and the same at this point in time. I uh, am very happy to see all of you, so many of you gathered. Um, I, As I'm looking into the quote-unquote future, which we obviously know everything is happening in the now. I know that at one point, uh, this is going to be one of our most downloaded episodes. So I'm really happy and thrilled that so many of you are going to listen to this one. I've been wanting to cover this topic for a while, but I'm not going to lie. The topic that we're going to talk about today is at best controversial. It can and may ruffle some people's feathers, um, especially if uh, you are on the religious side or on the... um, ardent righteous side (laughs) Um, and yet and yet I think it is time to talk about this because it is a pivotal topic for humanity at large and I do hope that this could serve as food for thought as an episode it could serve as that anchor you know as a stepping stone to a different understanding for you because I think that the quality of your life is very much dependent on your perception of who you are and what is the game that you're playing. So anytime I can help shift that perspective, help paint a fuller picture for you, I consider it a big win because through changing your perception of who you are and why you came here, I enable you to explore new facets of yourself and new facets of this reality. It's a win-win. You know, this is a game we really cannot lose. So, because it leads to greater expansion. So here's the topic. Today we're going to explore a topic that is twofold in nature. It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. So we're going to explore how to anchor the consciousness of God or goddess within you. If you would like, how to anchor the consciousness of source, if you feel better about that definition or that wording. And on the flip side of this issue, we're going to address the servant and the martyr archetype so prevalent on planet Earth today. The reason there are two parts of the same coin is because one quite literally is preventing you from doing the other. 
uh, humanity um, is very much deeply, like, is deeply rooted into this servant archetype mentality. You know, slavery as a concept was very, very prevalent on planet Earth not so long ago. Um, and in some levels, on some levels, sorry, slavery is a pivotal concept for humanity at large. Because uh, at one point, and I'm not going to go and dive too deeply into this, because again, I, I want to make sure that I keep these episodes as open-minded for you as I possibly can. Because what I mean by that is open-minded is uh, I want to keep them as kind of like mainstream as I can possibly make them for you. I don't want to alienate the people just because I said something in the beginning of the episode that ruffles some feathers. And yet, and yet, I don't think you're going to be able to fully grasp where you are unless I go to some places that are uncomfortable. So we're going to start with one quick uncomfortable truth, and then I promise I'm going to move on to bigger and better things. But here's the deal. We don't really talk a lot about humanity. Humanity that's alive and well today. Planet Earth has been a planet of experiments for millions of years. This is not the first civilization. This is not the first humanoid civilization that has existed on planet Earth. And not, nor is it even, um, it, it, it's not even remotely the first. I don't even want to go into how many because I don't want to scare you or anything. But let's just say that this game has been played on planet Earth for quite some time. This current civilization, again, not to alienate you and not to scare you off, please bear with me because I, you, I, I really hope you can keep an open mind for this one quick part, and then I promise you I'm going to bring it home for you, like I swear. The reason um, we are in this predicament, and the predicament is humanity cannot graduate from slave mentality. Humanity cannot graduate from mentality of being under somebody else's control. Humanity cannot liberate itself. That is the predicament of planet Earth. And it has been the predicament of planet Earth for millennia. This is one of the most pivotal issues for humanity. For Homo sapiens, shall I say, as a race, as a species. Because liberation from control and liberation from a state of slavery, liberation from a state of martyrdom, Liberation from the servant archetype would quite literally signify the evolution of the entire human species on earth, alive and breathing today. Why? Because human race at one point was created as a slave race by another group of beings, arguably, you know, higher dimensional beings, uh, more evolved beings, arguably. I say that, take that with a grain of salt, because I think depending on which perspective we look at, this could be a debatable point. So human race, the DNA that you have is a servant DNA. And I can already feel like just like tapping into the collective. This is a hard truth for a lot of you to bear. Now, some of you that already know that, I'm glad that you're resonating. For the ones that, you know, there's like a big chunk of you and I can feel that through you know, the connection that we share, through this collective space that we have created, I know that you are turned off by the statement. You don't like thinking that there's something about your DNA structure that essentially enables, propagates, and almost forces you into slavery. But it is the case. 
human race was at one point developed, let me repeat myself, by a group of extraterrestrials as a slave race. A race that would be constrained within one planet and would be kept in its semi-dormant space, or semi-dormant state, shall I say, with the purpose of, let's say, serving as fuel. You know, humanity can serve uh, as different kinds of fuel or, you know, so there are essentially multiple Multiple uses for the human race. Um, one is energetic fuel. The other one is um, excavating certain, you know, materials from the earth, mining, essentially. There are a few other uses. But essentially, human beings have been created for the purpose of being slaves, right? They were not initially created as a race that was meant to, you know, awaken to their divinity. Uh, Homo sapiens was not created as a race um, that, you know, was for sure one day going to evolve. That was not the original intention. Now, um, that being said, that being said, because every human, right, was given a spark or at some point that consciousness, right? So initially the levels of consciousness that inhabited uh, Homo sapiens were very, very rudimentary particles of source energy. Over time, what ended up happening was bigger and bigger um, parts of consciousness um, chose to come here and be embodied as humans. And what became possible for the human race was the process of evolution. So all of a sudden, what was created as a possibility in the realm of possibilities was that this inherently slave race had been given hope that one day as a species, it could evolve into a race of creators, right? And now I want you to kind of like feel with me into this. And we're starting to get into like better emotional territory. And I'm feeling that you're starting to shift your vibrations. I'm really, really grateful for you. So this is the path of humanity. The path of humanity, which is would represent the greatest miracle, actually, for you know any species to move from a race of slaves to a race of creators and creatresses is a Christmas miracle. It is like one of the pinnacles of somebody's evolution. It is, um, you know, because there's such a gap between the two states, right? The emanations of slave consciousness and the emanations of um, God, goddess slash creator, creatress consciousnesses are light years apart. Like they couldn't be, they essentially are on the different sides of the spectrum, right? So if you think about it, um, you know, if you, if you think of, imagine there's a spectrum of like a, an axis of control. Imagine there was an axis in the universe of control. Uh, and then you would have two extremes. At the beginning of the axis, there's like one point of extreme. And at the end of the axis, there's another point of extreme. So you... You know, on the one side of this axis of control, you have beings and races and consciousness that does not have control, does not experience control, uh, meaning they are free to choose whatever it is they want in more ways than one. And this, by the way, goes above and beyond free will. So on the one hand of this control axis, we have somebody who is in full control of their life, 
as in the true God, goddess consciousness, because that is that would be the definition of goddess consciousness, right? Is being fully in charge, fully in control, being able to create for itself, themselves, the life that um, they choose to create for themselves. That's one aspect, one polarity. The other polarity are beings that experience a complete lack of control around their circumstance. And that is where you would have the slave archetype. That is where you would have the martyr archetype. That is where you would have the servant archetype. You know, all of these beings are living in a life, in, in a world where they're living the lives where they don't have that much control. They don't experience themselves being in charge. All of your victim mentality, all of your lack and loss of power is in that side of that spectrum. And then, of course, there is like, as in every great spectrum, there is every state that's in between the two polarities. So the flip that humanity is destined to make is the flip from one side of this spectrum, the absolute lack of control and servant mentality, into the full presence of control and the mentality of God or goddess or source. The reason I want to differentiate and call it God goddess is because I want to bring it home for you. Because sometimes when I say source, you don't always resonate and internalize, right? It's a lot easier for you, you know, to think in God goddess archetypes, right? For a woman, it's a lot easier and more fun, arguably, to think of herself as anchoring the goddess archetype within than thinking of herself as trying to anchor source archetype within. And same for the, for the guys, essentially the same. Like it's a lot more fun to try to anchor the God archetype instead of trying to anchor the source archetype. It is essentially one and the same thing because there is nothing impossible for source. As far as source is concerned, it is the great creator and the great creatress in one. It is the being, the consciousness, the energy that knows no limits and knows no bounds. Whatever it creates as a desire for itself or whatever it desires must come to pass. And that is just the law of the universe, right? Now, we started from this very, very uncomfortable topic, right? And I, I know, hey, you guys, I know it's hard for you. I, I know that every iota of your being, every cell in your body wants to repel, reject, and deny the concept of being a slave race. Because this is incredibly uncomfortable, because you like to think of yourself as being in control. And not only that, but you strive for control. You would want control of your circumstance, of your life, of your happiness levels, of your children, of your marriages, of your relationships, of your finances. Your whole life is trying to, you know, forget about the fact that actually a lot of things are outside of your control. You know, trying to deny that trying to suppress those feelings of inadequacy, anxiety, and fear that not having control of something, not being in full control creates in your body. Now, when a slave race is being created, there are certain modifications that are done to the DNA structure that produce a certain set of behaviors in those beings. These behaviors are subservience, uh, these behaviors are uh, behaviors, or shall I say, habits and like th th that experience. You know, let, let me try to experience uh, to explain to you how that experience works and how it feels. Although, arguably, you would know better 
because you are going through that on a day-to-day basis. Um, any So to keep a being in the perpetual slavery mode is actually really, really hard. It actually takes some pretty sophisticated genetic engineering, as well as the understanding of how the energies work in the body and outside of the body to even be able to produce such a being. Because the moment that that source consciousness, right, as a soul starts inhibiting a particular body or particular race, right, that source consciousness, that aspect of source consciousness knows that it's unlimited, right? Like it knows that it is everything in the entirety and it knows how powerful it is, right? So think of like a race, a human race, a homo sapiens is essentially like producing a shell, which is the body, the human body, right? Um, And that shell, you know, would define the rules of the game in many ways, which it does, by the way. And then imagine dropping a seed of God, goddess slash source consciousness inside, right? It's kind of like you're trying to match two things that are unmatchable in some ways because one is a byproduct of limitations and the other is the byproduct of limitlessness, right? And so because anytime you put God consciousness, God is consciousness, inside of a limiting body or limited body, that consciousness over time is going to want to come out of that shell and start creating. And that is because this is the natural emanation of source. And this is the natural way of being for source energies. It cannot be any other way. So in order to suppress that which is limitless, there had to be, you know, essentially there had to be created like like a whole system, a whole slew of limitations had to be created to kind of suppress the divinity within each of the beings, each of the humans. Um, that happened, that had to happen at the DNA level. That had to happen as, as a number of steps to conditioning. You guys have all heard of conditioning and the Pavlov's dogs and, you know, and essentially enough of you like have pets and you guys have trained them, right? You know that a species that essentially is subordinate to you, especially if you have control over, you know, feeding it or taking care of it or it's dependent on you anyhow, is a very trainable species. Homo sapiens is a species that has been conditioned for certain behaviors, And those behaviors are so ingrained in the collective consciousness, in the DNA, in the perception of humanity and how your ancestors used to live their lives, right? That most often, more often than not, any individual human does not step outside of the quote-unquote norm. So it's almost like all this conditioning leads to a particular path of behavior, a set of behavior. Like the control of like what is okay to do and not okay to do what is good versus not so good is so strong and so strict that most people won't stray one millimeter away from that pre-written predestined path so let's and this is what i want you to understand like also um i know that a lot of the beings that are listening to this are highly evolved souls right, that are here on a mission. So obviously, anything that I'm saying here is not meant as a criticism to you. 
or to anyone listening to this podcast, it is what it is, right? Enough of you amazingly evolved beings showed up here for this apocalyptic-like show because you want to make a difference, right? So again, none of this is meant as criticism, but it is important for us to start to understand the genetic material that we all incarnated into. So you can start understanding how to work with your own limitations. So you can finally merge on the other side with less limitations. And you can finally start being the beacons of light that you came here to be, if that is your path. So let's start exploring the servant mentality, the slave archetype that essentially all of you are carrying that blueprint in your body. Here's the deal. If you don't believe me that you have it, I have bad news for you. 70% of humanity are experiencing complete and total servant archetype 24-7. Like 100%. They don't ever operate in any other way other than how the master race wants them to operate. So there is every time there is a slave, every time there is a servant, there is the master. Wouldn't you agree? Right? If one is subservient to the other class or the other type of a being, it must be ruling because how else, right? You need to be subservient to someone, right? So it is a process of subjugation whether you want it or not, whether you recognize it or not. It is the truth of your DNA. Huh? Let's start with the fact that the fact, sorry, and I know like I'm repeating myself, but I don't know if you listened to the episode on the DNA uh, that we did 3,000 years ago. Um, you should if you haven't. But most of your DNA is frozen. It's in a state of not being activated. The reason being, whoever created the human race, right? They're going to be, re- they will remain unnamed. Perceived that for a slave race, two strands of the 12 strands of the DNA is good enough. Because once you start opening up more strands of DNA, you know, things happen. What do I mean by things happen? You may lose control of the slave race, right? And you don't want to as a creator of a slave race. You want those people that you're creating for a particular task to keep performing that task, ideally voluntarily, right? Because nobody likes a rebellion, by the way. Nobody likes a rebellion. Especially, you know, smart races, highly evolved races. You know, they know how to create other races that are subordinate to them in a way that those races never rebel. And by the way, never even understand and never even realize that they are being, you know, corralled in a certain direction in the first place, right? So let's examine what happened, right? So there is, you know, if you think about the DNA structure, DNA structure is... There's genetic material that is considered standard for our universe. That standard DNA molecule has 12 strands. Again, your species has two activated. Just saying. There's 10 more that could be activated. Full God mentality, full God consciousness has all 12 activated. I would say there's a little bit of a hike between 2 and 12. Just saying. But it's not impossible for planet earth and it's not impossible for the humanity as a species it is actually very possible and i hope that we're making one of those first steps today by just you know getting it out in the open the way it is 
So let's talk about that servant mentality. Like I said, 70% of humanity never wakes up to the fact that they are being in servant mode all day, every day. What about the other 30%? The other 30% displays servant behavior, slave behavior to some degree, varying levels of degrees. You know, there are some beings that are barely displaying it. But, you know, make no mistake, pretty much every single one of you is displaying it to some degree because that is part of your legacy, the legacy of your ancestors, and that is your DNA composition that is alive and well in every cell of your body, right? So even if you are, I don't know, an archangel or ascended master or what have you incarnated in this 3D body, make no mistake, if you have human DNA, you have a slave archetype inside of your body. Congratulations or not, depending on how you think about it. What are some of the signs of slave races? There is a certain kind of thinking that generally is imbued into slave races. And the number one statement of that thinking, the number one vi vibration is I am not good enough for something or I am not enough of something. The not enough is a spell that is part of your DNA. So if you ever felt like you were not good enough for something, if you are not good enough to fit into some social group, if you're not a good enough wife, husband, daughter, son, if you're not a good enough student, if you're not a good enough worker, if you're not, uh, you know, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not skinny enough, not healthy enough, not young enough, not old enough sometimes, when you're young, you're like, oh, you're too young. You cannot get that job, right? There's always something, you know? You're always too much of something or not enough of something, right? You're never just perfect and just right across all, like across the board. That state is actually really hard to get to. The state of I am great the way I am. And like not actually trying to say that, but actually fully believing that without thinking that any part of your body is not enough is really freaking hard on planet Earth, if not unattainable. Even the prettiest people don't think they're pretty enough. The smartest people don't think they're smart enough. The most talented people don't think they're talented enough. The most charismatic people don't always think that they're charismatic enough. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Start awakening to the fact that you are walking bodies of I'm not enough. Another byproduct of this same mantra, this same broken um, statement, this same broken spell that has you running like a little chicken without a head sometimes, like a hamster on a wheel, is this. I don't have enough. Ooh, how about that? We're getting into material world stuff here. How about all the feelings of inadequacy because you don't have what somebody else has? In the material sense. It's like, hello, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, if I don't have the house that I want, well, I must not be good enough. Oh, I want the car that they have and I don't, I can't afford it. I must not be good enough, right? Not having something is now being equated. It's equal to the fact that you are not good enough or you're not enough of X, Y, or Z, right? How about trying to get approval for your actions? 
from society, from the people conforming to things, being afraid of what others are going to think. Oh my God, what would they think? You know how many people get stopped by fear of what others would think? Not realizing that everybody else is in their own heads thinking that they're not enough. Enough so that they don't even notice anything that's going on around them. So they don't have the capacity to even notice what's up with other people. To, enough to care or even provide any type of judgment. Okay, so this one is I'm not enough. The second aspect of the slave race is loneliness. That I'm on my own. That is another spell that keeps you weak. Another spell that keeps you separated. Why is this mantra the mantra that keeps someone inside of a slave mentality? Because it is the ultimate illusion. It's the ultimate maya. It's the ultimate falsehood. We all know, right, that we all came from oneness and we're going to go back to that oneness, right? Source chooses to split itself, but make no mistake, if it wanted to get back into oneness, it would do so in a, a millisecond, not even. Instantly, it could come back into oneness, right? Oneness, oneness is actually synonymous with that feeling of invincibility. When the person actually gets into the zone, into the mode of God and source consciousness, they experience so much fullness in every cell of their body, in their entire being. They feel so much in, not even in alignment, but like they feel like such an integral part of the universe. In fact, they feel like the universe is a part of them, not the other way around, right? It's not even the feeling of belonging to something. It is a feeling of being something grander and bigger and limitless and infinite and invincible, right? So that feeling of invincibility, right, is actually really dangerous if you're trying to build a slave race, let me tell you. Yeah, not cool and not fun if you're trying to build a race of subjugated folks. God forbid they get into the oneness mentality. God forbid they remember who they are. God forbid you are going to lose them and you're going to lose and you know any semblance of control over those people. And so one of the mantras, it's almost like an, a chip, right? Like a DNA essentially is the motherboard, you know, like, um, like the central, central, like a CPU, central processing unit of a computer. However you program that is going to impact the rest of the machine, like the rest of the hardware, right? Like it is kind of like the, the brain essentially of this operation is your DNA, right? So if you tweak it in a certain way, um, you know, if you impart a certain detail in, 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 the, in the DNA structure, if you impart a certain particle into the DNA structure, right? The DNA is an aspect of reality that it just multiplies itself, right? So once something is ingrained into the DNA structure of a particular species, then it's just the replication replication principle, the good old replication principle, you know, then you don't have to worry. So when I'm telling you, right, there were certain constructs embedded and imbued into the consciousness of humanity, what I'm saying is it was done at the DNA level. The first human being that was ever born off of this genetic experiment already had that imprint inside of their DNA. They didn't have a chance. 
So that first one is the I'm not enough construct in all of its facets. Like almost think of it as in the background, this this thing, this tune, this song just keeps on playing. The I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Because that is, make no mistake, is what's happening day in and day out. And you've lived it. And don't tell me that you haven't because you have. By the virtue of you having incarnated on planet Earth, I guarantee you that I'm not enough is one of the pivotal, pivotal things you grapple with in your life. And it is one of those things that caused you tremendous amounts of pain. Any heartbreak, any relationship that felt through, anytime you were back, anytime you were backstabbed, you know what? You were not good enough, huh? Or at least that's what you thought, because that is on repeat. It's a thing like that is like the reason that you know to be true. It is not like an inherent truth about you that you believed in. Oh my God. And the second one is you are on your own. You're on your own. You're alone. You know, because again, here's the thing. You remember how I told you that I don't want a rebellion? The power is in the masses, the revolutions. If you just look back at the history of humanity, not such a long history, right? The power is always in the masses. Where the masses are, that's where the power lies. As long as the masses realize that, that is, right? But no, that is not how we see society being controlled or run today. Society is not run by the masses. I hate to tell you democracy ain't it. It's the couple of people, few people at the top that run the masses, right? Because why? Because the masses are running a program that is saying and repeating on like on autoplay the I'm on my own mantra. The I'm on my own is a very dangerous statement and it's a very dangerous mental construct that completely messes humanity up. Because fundamentally, you do not expect the other people around you to have your best interest at heart. And that is how deep that wound goes. You do not expect anybody to back you up if you rebel. Or you, you expect hardly anyone to do that. Maybe your partner and your best friend. And that's kind of it, you know? And the rest is like, I'm on my own. Outside of that, I don't know. And especially in Western societies, because at least in some certain Eastern societies, you know, there is like family, you know, um, you know, some Latin America culture, Latin American cultures, family, you know, there are like stronger ties. And still, still, even in those societies where family values are really, really high, that feeling of I'm on my own is very, very prevalent. Because why? Because even in those societies, there is judgment. There is people acting like your parents not acting in the best interest of their child. And what I mean by that is they're projecting their own fears on the, on the child. They're projecting their own wishes and demands on the child as if the child was their property. Now, of course, how does the, ch uh, the child feel? The child feels like they're on their own. Yeah, like they're in it for themselves. Like nobody cares. Nobody has their best interest at heart. Right? Yeah, divide and conquer, you guys. You know that that is one of the dominating principles of ruling any large mass of people or societies, right? Is divide and conquer. And that division, that separation is inherent in the human race at the DNA level 
Not because you guys are bad people, but because Homo sapiens is a slave race. Yeah. So these are the two mantras. There is another one, which is the I don't belong, right? There's a little bit of that on the DNA level as well. The I don't belong is also quite interesting. The I don't belong is that feeling of like the imposter syndrome. It's kind of like at any moment in time, somebody's going to freaking find out that you're incompetent. You know, it's kind of like, do you, do you remember when you were a kid, you thought that in general, like the adults have a plan and they know what they're doing with their lives. And there's some semblance of like sanity and control. And then you become an adult and you realize, oh my God, you have freaking no idea what's happening. You watch the news and you're like, I can't control this. I can't control this. What is this? Now, of course, your child doesn't know that that's what you're thinking, right? But in other words, the I don't belong, you know, is again, a very, very prevalent construct, mental construct, right? That imposter syndrome. And there are, there are many different ways that that kid transpire, that I don't belong. All of your race situations are here. You know, if somebody is in a particular race, that is not the domineering race in a particular country. They feel like they don't belong on some level. Somehow they're the odd ones out, you know. Sometimes people, like any minority, anywhere, is always going to feel like they don't belong. Any minority, anywhere, because of that, is experiencing and living the slave archetype. I hate to say this. It's sad, and it's really sad, but true. Because people who feel like they don't belong don't operate from a place of having choices. They have essentially, by believing that they don't belong, have taken away choices from them and they have taken away their own power by believing that they don't belong in some type of social construct. Maybe they're the odd one out in the family. Maybe they're the odd one out of their job. Somehow they feel different. Any immigrant, you know, they're the odd one out in the new country. They don't speak the language. They have the accent. There are many, many versions of the I don't belong. Sexual orientation. The I don't belong. A lot of that over there, right? So there are all these mental constructs. And, you know, that's not the only thing. You know, slave races tend to, in the same way that, you know, you would feed a cat a certain food, right? Because you want to train a cat for certain behaviors, um, etc., etc. Um, essentially, slave races generally tend to be guarded and guided through everything that they consume. So very often, the race, or you know, that is the master race, would determine what their slave race consumes, from foods and drinks to information, to anything else. So it's almost like the, those options are quite limited or limiting, right? And sometimes, you know, they may change the, the game a little bit, you know, spice things up or like take things down. But make no mistake that all the consumption is controlled for you, right? Now, there are many other things around the slave archetype that we can talk about. Um, for instance, people who are in low vibrations 
um, and yet are very plugged into the collective consciousness are really, really easy to manipulate. So part of the game of maintaining the servant level of the species is making sure that the vibrations of that group of people are low. Because your low vibrations are all of your herd species, right? I please, please hear me. I know this is controversial, but you need to understand something, right? Anytime there is anything that is created like a dogma or a religion or some type of codex of rules, the constitution or what have you, it is all done with the standpoint of limiting individualistic thinking and promoting group thinking. Rules are here to make sure that there is groupthink. Why does it why is it really important for the controlling class or the masters of this game to make sure that the beings are in groupthink mode instead of the individualistic mode? Is because the moment you start tuning into groupthink, right, you start acting like the other people unbeknownst to you and they know that they control the collective right again there are many many different tools of control the moment you start getting outside of dogma outside of like organized religion outside of any type of organized thinking right all of a sudden you become dangerous because, oh my God, what if your vibrations start rising? Oh my God, what if you connect to your higher self and the North Star and whatnot and sun consciousness? Oh my God, what if you awaken to your mission? Oh, that's dangerous, man. For any master species that is trying to preserve a very good old like slave, the less educated that slave is, you know, the lower their vibrations are, the more they're in fear, the more they're, sub, you know, subservient, right? So part of this exercise is also emotional control right? So the first thing is mental control. And then the second one is emotional control. Um, and it actually, if you think about it, I don't know if you know this, but I've also kind of talked a lot about this in the past. Your emotions are always run by your thoughts, not the other way around. It's actually also one of the ways that your DNA is programmed, whether you realize it or not. It doesn't have to be that way. There are species, there are planets where your emotions drive your thoughts. On planet Earth, it's quite the opposite. Your thoughts run your emotions. So the way that this species is controlled is through the mental constructs first, and then the emotional constructs second. But what ends up happening is... By creating certain low-level vibrational, like low-vibrating emotional states and making them very present in the collective, again, the species, this herd species, becomes infinitely controllable. What, are, what kind of low vibrations am I talking about? Um, things like fear, right? Oh my God, fears exist in every shape and size on this planet. My dear friend, please pardon this quick interruption. If you like our podcast, we ask that you please help us spread the light by leaving a review on Apple Podcast so that more people could discover our content. Thank you so much. Blessed soul. I don't even have to name them. You guys know that fear is one of the, the prevalent 
prevalent emotions, right? Again, very low vibration. Um, so you have all kinds of fear, you know, you have, you know, slightly higher vibrations of like anger, you know, you have a lot of hatred, you have a lot of despair, you have a lot of pain, all of these are low vibrational frequencies. People who are in those vibrations are extremely easy to control. People in higher vibrations are extremely hard to control. Because high vibrational frequencies are outside of the slave archetype. So by definition, they are uncontrollable because high vibrational frequencies are a match to source energies and source cannot be controlled. In fact, the source does the controlling and the governing. It's sovereign in its power. Not only that, but very often, very often, what would happen in the evolution of slave races is there would be a time, right? There are like almost like pivotal times that happen along the lifeline of a particular species that that species comes close to what we can think of and we could call like a trigger that would be construed as awakening. And that awakening would be like, or a massive awakening would be the awakening to the power within and essentially the breaking of the chains of slavery of the species and the coming into sovereignty and into soulful living and into their power as aspects of source consciousness, right? So the awakening to God and goddess energies within is that li the liberation that I'm talking about. So over the course of evolution for, you know, species like slave type species and by the way there are millions of slave species in the universe millions of not trillions right and yet they kind of all follow a particular path right i don't think you would be surprised to know that because this is the world the mathematical world of mathematical pattern patterns what am i going to tell you this is the matrix after all you know if you if you kind of like understand like one aspect of reality you would be really surprised to know that Actually, you've understood the whole thing because you just like extrapolate your learning and like, you know, and, and kind of like zoom out, but the learnings are the same. So um, what ends up happening many times over is a species would come close to this point of awakening and it becomes so dangerous from the perspective of the master race because they don't want to lose all these slaves and they don't want to stop the process or lose control, essentially. That they would, you know, like it, it gets dangerously close to that borderline state, to that awakening state. So what ends up happening is there is something that is created it, it, like a historical you know sometimes it's a historical figure or like an event of some sort or like a new type of movement you know there is happening that tends to take humanity back a few steps so take that species back a few steps away from that awakening away from that evolution and it has happened to humanity many many times over so the most recent um aspect of and, and by the way, like the slave archetype, right, is what I'm trying to say. Um, they would refresh that. They would make that very, very fresh and very desirable in every which way possible, right? So the moment humanity is able to break the chains and willing and like gets close to like liberating itself, something is being thrown by the masters, like a, like a bone to the dog, where all of a sudden being a servant is good. 
all of a sudden it's lauded all of a sudden like you know you really must be that oh my god i'll just give you a couple of examples you guys okay let's talk about jesus you guys know i love jesus i mean i really do (laughs) however however little did jesus know what would happen of his name and his great work on this planet right but he's your proverbial martyr he's your proverbial servant and he's your proverbial slave why because he gave his life to pay for your sins or what have you or so the church would have us believe right and he carried his own cross on which they crucified him complete martyr complete martyr Now, of course, he's the savior, right? Let's not forget. By the way, I'm going with what the church says, right? Like, I'm, I'm, because there was a human named Jesus, Yeshua, right? He lived a life of love, by the way, and light. And potentially service, because like everybody else, Jesus had what? Servant level DNA. Yes. Hate to say this. But, but, you know. He clearly was able to move beyond that because he was, you know, throughout his life, able to create miracles like the walk on water. That is God consciousness. That is source consciousness. That is not slave archetype. The resurrection of Lazarus, that is source consciousness, you guys. That is not slave archetype. So all of the things that would be like the wonders of Jesus, that is not slave archetype. Make no mistake. But the church would have you believe otherwise. They took Jesus and made him into a martyr instead of, you know, giving him the credit for integrating source energies to the degree that he could walk on water. Because like every story, the angle of how you tell the story really changes the narrative. I don't know if you've noticed, right? I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's take a simple example. You guys, enough of you have seen the Titanic movie. It's a love freaking story. But I could have told you the same story from a position of a great catastrophe. And it would not have been a love story. So it's the angle that you take that really matters. Wouldn't you agree? Right? So the angle of how the church is presenting the archetype of Jesus and the being of Jesus really matters. And I really want you to pay attention to the angle. So what's happening is they're lauding the fact that he was a servant that he was a martyr. They're saying, oh, it's a good thing. Look, that's God the Savior. You know, that is the Son of God. That Like, you need to do, you see, like, if he was a martyr, then you should be too. And that is how you have a servant archetype glorified in the eyes of a billion plus people. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the other part. I mean, since we're going into Christian dogma, let's talk about Lucifer. Let's talk about Satan. Ooh, and pride. You remember that? The pride is one of the great sins, huh? We're all worried about pride, aren't we? Yeah? Because, of course, Satan, according to the church, was one of the great angels equal in power to God or equal in power to source or close enough. But because he was proud, he essentially was cast out of heaven. We all remember what happened, right? The purgatory and and then hell and all the good stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And here we have the concept of pride. Which is positioned as the greatest sin. Huh? 
wasn't cast out because he was killing people. He was cast out because he was proud. Do you guys, do you guys see what this means? They're telling you that the sin of pride is worse than any other sin. It is so great that the antithesis to God consciousness was created off of pride. Right? Which is a very interesting, fascinating concept. Right? So why, would you ask me, is pride so dangerous? Because pride is the absolute opposite of slave consciousness. It is dangerous to the people, to the beings. I shouldn't call them people, by the way. To the beings, to the extraterrestrials that are the master race. Because God forbid slaves become proud. Because pride, generally, comes from... Let's look at another face of pride. Because pride actually, generally, comes from understanding of your own greatness. Right? How, how else can you be proud? People that have pride in themselves feel like they're worth something and yet the slave consciousness is built on being worth less not being worth much at all of course they would have you believe to get you back into balance which for them is back into control right to make sure god forbid you ever awaken to the entirety of what you are as a being. Start listening to your guides. Start living your purpose. God forbid, oh my God. Now that is pride, my, my child. And pride is Satan. And that is hell. And good luck to you. Do you see what I mean? These are just some examples. Let's look at the light workers of today. I mean, Jesus is kind of getting old to the newly awakened population, huh? No? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's why they have to keep sending these uh, ascended masters all the time. Because, you know, two years later, it's kind of like not relevant anymore. That's fine. You know, they'll keep sending them. But let's talk about the fact that a big chunk, I don't know, like 80% of people that refer to themselves as light workers, right? The most awoke people are serving humanity. Let's serve humanity. You need to serve humanity. You know, that is lauded. That is supposed to be the good thing. You are supposed to subjugate yourself and you're supposed to think of yourself as less than, right? Let's think about it for a second. Serving humanity means that humanity is on a pedestal, right? Though humanity is worth something, but you're just here to serve them humbly, not asking for much, right? And that is positioned as the North Star. That is positioned as like the right archetype. That is positioned as the right attitude. Again, the servant archetype is being lauded as the opposite of pride and the right thing to do. And that is just the mental construct that you were born into. Right? Now, one thing I'll tell you is human beings have an inherent need to be good. And they're so worried about being labeled as bad. Now let's look at those labels, right? Because be this need to be labeled as good is actually part of your DNA. And that is the part that was embedded there by the same folks, the same race, the same masters that embedded all the other good stuff in there, such as the I'm not enough, I'm on my own, and I'm don't, I don't belong. They also engraved in you the concept of you must be good no matter what. And by the way, 
I'm the teacher of light, right? Like, make no mistake. I freaking stand for light all the way. All the way. All the way. And yet. And yet. It breaks my heart having to watch the labels of good versus bad and what they have been attached to on this planet. Is there anything wrong with beings wanting to be good? Absolutely freaking not. However, what the big fallacies on this planet that you guys don't understand are that all of a sudden the slave archetype equals good and everything else kind of is not. Everything else is being arrogant, haughty, you know, feeling like you're better than others or something, you know. All of that stuff is supposed to be quote-unquote bad. That's a sin. You know, pride is a sin. Oh my God, God forbid you understand and you recognize your own genius. That's pride. You're nothing and no one. Get back in, in line. You know, stop like singing your own song. We're all marching to the, you know, to the same drum here. You don't get to step out of line. Do you see what I mean? They have embedded in you that desire, that inherent desire to be good. And then, by the way, they gave you the definition of what good is. And God forbid you don't take that definition of what good is. God forbid you choose to, like, think for yourself. That is dangerous. So that is the slave archetype. Now, of course, I wouldn't be me if I didn't tell you where we're going, right? Because we didn't gather here today to get depressed for the next 3,000 years, I hope, right? That's certainly not my intention. Not my intention at all. Like I said, there is hope for humanity. And this is what that hope looks like. This hope is humanity finally taking what belongs to it by the virtue of humanity being the vessel for source consciousness, which is its godliness or goddessness. Claiming back more of that source, primordial source energy, primordial source spark in the format of creator and creatorist energies, not slave consciousness. Let's think about source, this great energy that we all emanate from, that we all came from. Yes, it wants to experience the concept of slavery. Yes, it wants to experience the concept of slavery because source consciousness is an infinitely curious being. Curiosity is probably one of the most inherent characteristics of source. However, it doesn't mean that source perceives itself as a slave. In fact, it is one of the less comfortable vibrations for it to experience. Right? Source is infinite creation. So the full awakening of humanity is actually the awakening of each individual human to the fact that they are not a slave not a martyr, and not a servant. That while their DNA may say otherwise, their soul is infinitely more ancient, infinitely more powerful, and so limitless. And with that great gift, humanity is finally able 
to raise from the knees, to stand up and start walking in the direction of the greater good of every single being. And not just in the direction that was pointed on the horizon by another race. And that is normal and that is a process of evolution. Any slave race, according to the principle of free will, needs to have an opportunity to upgrade itself and liberate itself. That is part of the codex of of this universe. Somebody cannot be enslaved forever without, you know, a way out. So humanity is given this shot. Humanity is given this chance to embody God, goddess consciousness. What does that mean? Right? And now we're going to the whole other side of the spectrum. We're flying all the way over to the other side, right? And we're going to be in completely different energies, you guys, right now. Because I want to dive a little deeper into that with you. I want to dive a little deeper into the opposite spectrum, which is so unbeknownst. It is so foreign. It is so far away for many of you. You don't even know how it feels. You don't even know how it feels. Do you know what source does not have? Do you know what God, goddess, does not have? An inner critic. They don't criticize themselves. I hate to say this. They really don't. They really don't. Well, you know, what what do you think they have? Do you think they not have an inner voice? No, they do have an inner voice. But that voice is positive. That voice is optimistic. That voice is their number one fan. That voice tells them all the ways that they're good, perfect, and right. Not all the ways that they're bad, awful, and wrong. That is the slave archetype. Make no mistake. Right? Here's, here's one important distinction to make. Embodying God consciousness, embodying goddess within if you're a woman, God if you're a man, is not your way of being proud, is not your way of being delusional, and is not your way of being an asshole. Pardon my French. I have to say this. It is your way of embodying what you've always meant to embody, which is God, source consciousness, which is essentially who you are at soul level, an emanation of source, right? That is your path to evolution. And make no mistake, any soul that comes into this highly enslaved body and is able to make that jump through the awakening into their god goddess consciousness has made a quantum leap for for their own personal evolution because this this journey this like leap to make is really hard really hard why slave consciousness has a lot of gravity around it it's like a heavy consciousness i don't even know how to like explain it imagine like there's like Slave consciousness is like a big, big, big fat magnet. And any time you're trying to make a leap into another consciousness, which is goddess energy, unless you have so much momentum, you get sagged back, you know, into the slave mentality. And then you get sucked back into it again. And like you hit, you know, as you fall, you like hit the ground and, you know, it, it hurts. Right. So it has a lot of might within it. So in other words, it's really hard to make that quantum leap. So for any soul that is able to do that through inner work, through breaking the chains, through changing the mental constructs, through elevating vibrations, that soul has massively upgraded. 
because this leap is not easy. And especially, it is especially hard for the very first few that are going to make that leap. And then it's going to become easier as time goes by because you're going to start getting the benefit of collective consciousness. But also, um, you know, I do, I do want to support the light workers in every way I can, right? Because you are the future of this planet, no matter what. And I know that enough of you are going to hear this episode, uh, although obviously not all the listeners that we have walk the path of light professionally. But here's the deal. One thing that breaks my heart truly is the fact that most light workers are either broke or on the on you know highly highly n- not rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that is a shame. But here's the deal. If you operate in slave consciousness, under slave contracts, if you're serving humanity, if you're serving light instead of emanating light, you are always going to experience lack. Because servants, it's impossible for a servant to live in abundance. The energy of the servant, their emanations are not a match to thriving, to abundance, and to having anything you want. Because who has anything that they want? Masters. Royalty gods goddesses not the slaves not the servants and not the martyrs do you know what i mean so for as long as you agree with the fact that you want to serve light you want to be a servant to humanity you're not going to have anywhere close to enough resources money for yourself and your family because slaves need to keep working to just keep the food on the table and that is just the archetype that you have agreed to carry on not only that but you have a lot of pride in the fact that you're a slave and that is the only pride that is allotted to you huh i know this is a little bit sad so i actually think that the first people that need to awaken to the goddess and god consciousness within are the light workers because they need to be the way showers they need to be to burn bright like torches to show the way to others So if you actively are repelling money or you think money is evil or you don't want to raise your prices because, oh my God, you're a servant. If you as a light worker not filling your cup first, if you instead of having a weekend or a day off are serving 10 clients at an hourly rate that barely provides the lifestyle that you want for yourself and your family, then you are doing something wrong. Then you are not in the vibrations of the god or goddess that you should be or that you are frankly then you are living a lie then you came here into this dna and into this body and you succumbed to it instead of creating your own rules you just came in here forgot all everything about anything and said you know what i agree with the rules of this game i think it's cool with me Serving light is so fabulous. Why wouldn't I serve the light? Serving light is outdated, you guys. That is a servant archetype. You need to strive to emanate light. And you need to rearrange your energy systems in your body so that they can bring you true thriving and true abundance and not just scraps of the tables of the masters. I'm just saying. Obviously, I'm a little bit passionate about this subject. Just a tiny bit, right? Could you tell? 
Anyhow, so the path for humanity is from where we are today, which is essentially slavery, into source consciousness embodiment. How do we do that? And what does it even feel, right? We kind of started exploring that. You know, again, God goddess does not subscribe to any of the BS constructs. So let's look at the reverse statements of the ones that have been implanted into your consciousness, right? Do you remember the I'm not enough? God goddess consciousness does not believe in that. In fact, they believe in the exact reverse, the I am always enough. I am always right. I am always correct. I am always perfect. The way everything is, is great. Everything is right with me. As the opposite, there's nothing wrong with me. Do you know what I mean? Right? So a god or a goddess, right? Maybe I'll speak to like the goddess uh, consciousness because in this body, I'm, I'm female. I speak with a female voice, right? A goddess would not wake up in the morning and be like, oh, look in the mirror. Like, what is, what is this thing that's staring back at me? Like, that is not how a goddess thinks. Regardless of what state the goddess woke up in, I don't care if she has gray hairs or her hair is unwashed or what have you. She would never be like, oh, what are you staring back at me like you ugly thing? That is not how a goddess thinks because she does not subscribe to the concept of I am not enough. Because she knows that in her limitless nature, she is always not just enough, but perfect for exactly what she needs to do, right? The goddess and the god knows that she selected her body, her path, the events of her life, the people that are going to be surrounding her for a reason, So she's not a victim. And that's another very important distinction. The moment you embody goddess consciousness, God consciousness, you start perceiving the world from a position of, I chose everything in my life. And I I made everything in my life. Everything, every circumstance, every person, every act, including the macro factors I created for myself in my life. It was not created for me by someone. I created it, right? So it's taking full ownership, full responsibility and taking your power back, right? Instead of giving the power to circumstance, to people, to your upbringing, to your ancestors and just to whatever macro factors like, I don't know, COVID or something else happened. Oh my God. No, the God goddess, they always know that they're in charge. They don't just feel they're in charge, but there's this deep innate knowing of being the center of your own existence, of being the ultimate law and the ultimate truth. What do servants do? They pray. Nothing wrong with prayer, by the way. You know what? I'll take prayer over the energies of fear any day of the week because one is a very low vibrational um, undertaking and prayer is at least high vibrational. However, prayer is a servant construct. That's why the church would want you to pray so much instead of communicate with spirit. Because prayer means and implies that there is a being out there that is so much greater than you with all the keys 
and all the answers and all the resources, but you ain't it. And so you have to beg, borrow, steal, and pray to only get, you know, somewhere on their agenda, on their to-do list, and maybe they'll hear you out, and maybe they'll grace you with a little bit of help. That is slave freaking mentality. I hate to say this. That is not how God or goddess wills things into existence. A goddess or a god knows that by the virtue of them being the creator, they by default can have anything that they want just because they want it, right? Just because they want it. At the same time, and I kind of want to make that important disclaimer, this doesn't mean that if you want the wife of your best friend, that is totally cool, and because you're God, who cares? You know what I mean? Because the number one aspect of God and goddess consciousness is operating in the interest, in the best interest of all. Because if you kind of like, imagine like rising up and zooming out and imagining that you are everything and everything is you and you don't even know where you begin and the other one end. Hurting your best friend or your enemy or anyone, a stranger, is the same thing as hurting yourself. You would never want to do that right? So check yourself. Anytime you feel like you are in opposition to others in your life, right? You are not in God consciousness. You are not in goddess consciousness. You are in the state of separation, smack in the middle of slavery. I'm just saying. So if you're experiencing things like envy, right? Or jealousy, or wanting something else that they have, or wanting to go above somebody else's heads, you are not embodying source consciousness at all. Because this game of fighting, of me versus them, that is slave consciousness. That is the division. That is the I'm on my own, or I don't belong mantra, right? So God and goddess always feels like they're enough, always feel like they're part of the greater whole and everything is them and they're everything and they always belong anywhere they go they always feel welcome kind of like airbnb belong anywhere that is the freaking mantra of a god goddess i'm not joking you can steal that from airbnb for your personal mantra i'm sure they're not gonna mind yeah yeah they are not like okay once you start embodying god goddess you're never going to spend time second guessing what you said or thinking that somehow you're like not good enough to go for that job that you've always wanted or start a company that you've always wanted or go out you know of your comfort zone to ask a person that you're really in love with on that first date although it may be inconvenient or whatever else you know that is not what you know god goddesses think about it doesn't mean that they're self-serving But they are not stopped by all these limiting factors, right? They're not stopped by fear, right? Because they're not worried or afraid or scared of failure. Because they know, right, that their will, their wishes, their desires are the law and they must come true, right? And then they're just playing the game of ping pong with the universe. You know, they yes, they do have patience. Just the fact that you've integrated God, God as consciousness doesn't mean that you're going to have everything yesterday because it's still a third dimensional, very viscose world. 
right? Very slow world. But it still means that you, no matter what, you'll get what you want. As long as it isn't in the highest good of all, right? As long as it doesn't hurt anyone, right? So let's talk about, and again, baby steps, you guys. That's the thing, right? Because you're, you know, the challenge is quite big, right? You're against pretty big odds. The reason being is you have so many, many generations of people that came before you that lived through this pattern that at this point, this is just a muscle that is the only muscle that has been trained, right? So you're kind of going against all odds. That's one, right? So the pull, the collective pull of ancestry and the collective pull of humanity is quite high. All of these contracts and constructs, I meant constructs, not contracts, you know, in your mental field, they're very prevalent, right? So why don't we start? And so where I'm going with this is, this is not going to be an overnight shift. If you believe that you can turn from a slave into a goddess in three seconds, it ain't going to happen. I have bad news for you. Like, unfortunately, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to walk the walk, talk the talk, do the work. Just saying. So today we can start with that. I don't think that today I'm going to be able to give you essentially every single practice, but we can get started. You know, it's baby steps. Baby steps is still progress. So first things first, right? Let's get into a meditative state together. I want you to do some deep breaths with me. And I want you to center around. First, let's work with your slave, right? Because before we can bring in the new energy, you have to be out with the old before it can be in with the new, right? So let's work with the old first. So um, as you close your eyes, you know, center, get centered in your body. Imagine that you are standing amidst essentially in the field somewhere and the sun is shining brightly and you just focus on your body. The first thing we're going to do is the unchaining exercise. We're going to start with removing your shackles and removing your chains because every slave is essentially in chains. That is the one thing that is true for a hundred percent of you. You're going to, you know, there's some version form or shape of your chains and it would be really, really nice if we can remove them. So I want you to start scanning your body from top to bottom and noticing where you have the chains. I will tell you there are some common places where most people are chained. First one, you just start top to bottom in the neck. Very common. Most people have a chain around their neck. A lot of people have the chain around their wrists. A lot of people have chains around their ankles. A lot of people have chains that constrict their chest. Some people have the chains or some, some constricting metallic objects around their head. So in the third eye area, kind of like around, like almost like, um, yeah, um, I don't know, like a flower crown, only it's not a flower crown. Um, enough people have something in their waist, around their waist. Um, these are the main ones. Some of you are going to have a lot of weird shaped smaller chains wrapping around your spinal cord. So I want you to pay attention to your spinal cord. Um, obviously, you know, this is going to be very unique to you. So it's very, very hard for me to do like one big, quick meditation for everybody. 
because this is like a unique process and for each of you it's going to be different. So I want you to scan your body and check for all the places that I've just mentioned. And, and start, like use the sword of Michael, the sword of light to start cutting those chains. You want to start getting rid of those chains, right? So you want to cut them, cut them, cut them anywhere. And then you would notice that once these chains fall apart, um, that the skin underneath them may be damaged. So you want to use like a little sphere of, you can use golden light or white light um, to center and focus around the areas of your body, of your skin that have been damaged to allow this energy, the energy of the golden or the white flame to patch up that aspect of your body with golden threads so that like that aspect of your body is as good as new again. So you definitely want to do that. So chains is number one. You definitely want to unchain yourself. Cool. Shackles. If you have shackles, oh my God, please remove that. You don't need that. Then once you do that, imagine that there is a, a tub uh, full of like, di like literally diamond desk light. You just want to fully submerge yourself in, in there and like stay there for like a couple of minutes, letting you know, imagining that like if there are any chains that are like left over, kind of like shackles or chains, so they would just get uh, removed thanks to the, the this diamond desk holy water, if you will. So that's the first thing, right? So we remove the chains. Now you can come out of the tub. We're going to work you with your mental constructs. Okay, so all of these weird beliefs, right? belief systems actually and again working with the dna and we're gonna move to the dna next but working with belief structures is really really tedious work um because beliefs are so deeply rooted but today we're gonna do some some work on that right so do you remember how the main ones like essentially why don't we do this we can do a little bit more of a general exercise i want you to imagine that I want you to focus on your brain, on your head, and you can even zoom in. Like imagine you're inside of your brain, right? And you're like literally amidst this sea or the network of neurons that are like firing and sending all the information over and over. So we're going to just work on the physical side of your body, physical slash energetic. One thing you need to know is all of these constructs of I don't belong, I'm on my own, I'm not enough, um, I need to be good, all of these good things, I'm a victim, all of these amazing, amazing things that are keeping you trapped and chained and, and, and enslaved. They are partially existing thanks to the neurological network of your brain. So thanks to the synapses, thanks to the neurons. So essentially, the entirety of that network is polluted by these constructs, right? Now, these constructs are supposedly your survival mechanisms, right? So your brain is holding on to them for dear life because it thinks that you're going to get yourself into a whole lot of trouble if it was to get rid of those constructs. It literally believes that it is in your best interest to hold on to these limiting beliefs. And it is very, very deep rooted. Um, I want you to focus on the network of your brain and imagine that all of these thoughts are yellow, kind of. And they're like coursing from one neuron to another. And they're kind of, it's like, again, like it feels like a big ping pong game where these um, thoughts, they're circulating essentially constantly um, in your 
in your brain system right remember how i told you that like they're always in the background all these limiting beliefs all these thoughts are just like playing in the background kind of like a song that you kind of get rid of no matter how, how hard you try so essentially that is what it looks like your neurons you know they, they keep firing the same message i'm not enough i'm on my own i don't belong i need to be good being you know uh being a martyr is amazing uh i you know i need to uh keep up with the joneses all of that good stuff right all of these they're on repeat and they're toxic and you don't even know that and they're keeping you so limited i want you to imagine that there is a stream of divine light it looks like mercury have you guys seen Mer what mercury looks like it's kind of this like mirror glassy type of mirror like liquid i want you to imagine that there is a stream straight up from the heavens of essentially what looks like mercury like a liquid and this type of liquid it's almost like the equivalent of spiritual acid it can burn through even like this it can penetrate even the smallest of places it can burn out anything that doesn't belong there or anything that no longer serves the individual so we're going to be using this spiritual mercury type of acid liquid and bear with me with this analogy if what i i'm saying doesn't make intellectual sense to you please feel feel into it with your heart i'll promise you it's going to start making sense so imagine right that this liquid actually flows inside of your ear and you can we can use your left ear and it starts penetrating so it first like penetrates into your ear and by the way like it starts clearing up the ear canal and everything inside of your ear so that and like it starts like burning away these frequencies that are keeping you in your slave mentality so a hundred percent of your thoughts that are keeping you in your slave mentality you know part of them live in your ear canal and then they go up kind of like into the brain so you want to enable the flow of that liquid from your left ear through the brain and out of your right ear that is the arc that we're going to do together and as you enable that flow to happen uh, you know essentially this liquid would go through the entirety of your circuit the entirety of your brain all of these neurons and by the way it's like miles upon miles upon miles of neuron uh, connections uh, you want that liquid to kind of like go and like cleanse and burn away all of these weird thoughts of like slavery mentality that have been there since the beginning of time for your race for your species right and it just burns out and like what you know n n none of that yellowness is left all of that yellow toxicity nastiness is gone and then you want to imagine that you know like once your brain is complete and you, by the way you want to make sure that this process you, you want to give it time right it's not going to be immediate you really want to make sure and you really want to focus on imagining that it's going through every circuit every synapse every neuron 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 pathway right really clearing cleansing your brain then it goes out in the ear canal of your right ear and kind of goes out right so you want to imagine that stream. So that is your working, the working um, and the healing of your mental constructs. Now I want you, let's, um, I mean, we're doing this really quickly, right? Uh, but it's some, some heavy lifting, some heavy lifting work. I want you to focus on your DNA. I, I want you just because, hey, it's, it's a double helix, right? It's, it's two strands. I want you to imagine two strands wrapping around one another in kind of like an uh in a spiral movement right um one strand is yellow 
The other strand is blue. I'm just telling you energetically for most of humanity, that is the color of the strands of your DNA. I want you to notice and pay attention that on the yellow strand of the DNA, there are multiple dots. They look like dots, but they are also like nodes, almost like nodes or like little globules of energy. They look like buttons. And there are four major buttons. Um, And they're yellow in color on this yellow strand. These are the buttons of your mental limitations and the constructs that have been put in there with the purpose of control for the humanity species. These are the things, almost like the outside influences into the perfect DNA structure that keep humanity into the in the constant slave mentality what you want to do is you want to take that same mercurial substance that we just worked with right again it looks like mirror type of like it's like holy water slash acid it's a divine liquid has the properties of acids so burns through anything but it also has like a mirror like reflective surface uh, that is what it feels like so you want to go one by one again there are four of these buttons four of these nodes um, and you want to focus on each of them with this liquid that you have and you want that liquid to burn through these nodes so essentially you know you would you want to remove them from the yellow strand of your dna it's really important those are the mental constructs you want to go one by one by one by one you don't need to know what they're all about But you do need to know that these are all of your limiting beliefs that keep you inside of the slave mind that prevent you from embodying God-Goddess consciousness. Okay, now I want you to focus on the second strand, the blue strand. There are two main nodes in there. Um, On the blue strand, this one mostly governs your emotional body. This particular strand also governs your perception of who you are, what you're capable of, what you're incapable of. This is also, these two nodes are responsible for keeping you in a low vibrational state and uh, enabling you, or not enabling you, but urging you to crave the things, emotions, people, circumstances, events, substances that would keep you in that low vibrational state. So you want to take the same liquid substance and burn these two nodes outside of the blue spectrum, the blue strand of your DNA. Um, As that happens, right, you want to see that strand actually become like, it's not like there's going to be a hole burned through it. You know, um, it is um, a substance. It is a system that Uh, regenerates very very quickly so if you remove the node it's almost kind of like removing um like a cancerous type of um uh, cancerous cells or you know cancerous type of organism uh and then when you remove that the rest of the structure kind of like comes around and uh, and rebuilds itself without that node and without the the cancer and just like goes back into its perfect state okay Now we're ready with the two strands. I want you to imagine that this D that these DNA structure gets deposited in your body through your crown 
center. Your crown chakra is right at the top of your head. Um, there is like, imagine there's like a very center at the top. Imagine like at the very top of your skull, there is an opening. Um, and you would intuitively know what I'm talking about because this part, when you're a little kid, this part is open. Like before your um, cranial bones join together, that part is open in little babies uh, because that is how they get information. And that is also how actually the stream from your higher self enters your body also. Uh, the anchoring happens uh, through that same spot. So in the very middle or the very top of your head, um, imagine that that DNA structure gets deposited inside of your skull and kind of like inside of your brain. And now as that happens, imagine this new DNA they just worked on multiplies enough times so that one strand, of not one strand, the whole molecule of DNA is deposited in every cell of your body replacing the one that is already there, right? You can imagine and envision it many different ways. You can imagine that this new DNA molecule almost like engulfs the old one and essentially eats it away and like stands in its place, right? So you, in other words, you want to replace the old DNA structure of all of yourselves with this new DNA structure that is not tarnished, that is not damaged, right? And then you want to kind of like solidify that. And what, what do I mean by solidify that? The DNA is a structure inside of your body that is um, really good with transmitting, receiving and transmitting electric currents. So imagine that there is an electric current that enters your body through the crown of your head, through the very top of your head, almost like a lightning strike. And when that happens, imagine all of these DNA structures being activated momentarily as the lightning strikes it's kind of like and all of them get activated right and as they get activated they start firing things up they start running the cells right essentially they're now in charge they're in command they are kind of like the presidents of each of your cells they are the executive branch they are essentially stepping in stepping up and getting to work so that is the energy, um, the, the DNA shift that we're going to do. Oh, God, there's so many more that I can give you. And unfortunately, like I think that we're going to do we'll have to do more episodes on integrating God, goddess consciousness. But here's one thing I will tell you. Um, why don't we do one really, really quick exercise on integrating the God, goddess energies that you are? Here is the deal. We didn't get to dive too deeply into it, so I'll be quick. Um, God goddess energies are not created equal. In fact, because you are an, a projection or an emanation of source, you are going to be a very unique creator or a very unique creatress. As in, there are no streams of consciousness that are exactly alike. Each of us is unique, and that is the good news. So your flavor of goddess or God is going to be very different from, from the girl, the guy next to you. And that is a good thing. In other words, no two humans are going to embody God-Goddess consciousness in the same exact way. Because no two beings are alike. No two beings have the same exact mission. No two beings have the same exact aspirations, etc., etc. Because of that, your unique flavor, your unique 
type kind of a god or goddess that you are is reflective of who you are at soul level and where you are going. So it's going to be different. Because of that, embodying the vibrations of your goddess or god is going to be very different and unique to you and would feel good based on where you're going. So in order to start integrating those energies, we're going to do a couple of things. First, imagine that a being of light is approaching you. Out of nowhere, you know, you're, you're kind of, you've been doing all this great work. And now you see like a being of light just kind of like approaching you. And they're carrying something in their hands, this being of light. And you know that it is an item of clothing. So they're approaching you. And they're telling you that this item of clothing vibrationally represents the particular type of god or goddess consciousness that you came here to be, emanate, and present to the world. And they're giving or gifting this item to you, right? So they're handing it off to you. I want you to focus on what this item is. I want you to wrap it around, like, you know, unwrap it, shall I say. Look and focus on what it is. What is this item of clothing? You know, is it more masculine? Is it more feminine? You know, what color is it? What shape is it? You know, is it a dress? Is it a cloak? What is it, right? Is it a shoe? Because it could be anything. Is it a piece of jewelry? Is it a crown? It could be anything, right? But it is a very, very deeply symbolic thing, piece of eye, uh, like clothing that speaks to the kind of god or goddess that you are and speaks to the kind of powers that you hold. So make no mistake, everything, you know, the language of symbols is its own language, right? Can you learn to understand it overnight? Probably not. But, you know, there are, you know, very often you would intuitively know why a particular garment was brought to you and what it means. The colors are very important. The fabric, if you can feel the fabric, you know, is it harsh? Is it rough? Is it very tender? Is it gentle? Is it very, you know, high end? You know, everything really matters. You may even ask your guardian, you know, you know, what flavor of God or goddess energies you've come to emanate and, you know, you most likely will get the answer. Either way, whatever they've given you, start putting it on to yourself. So put it onto your body. And the moment that this fabric, the moment that this garment hits your body, start feeling like how at first it doesn't quite feel like it's your energy. And so you kind of almost would want to like move your body around. You maybe would want to do a stretch. You maybe would want to um, like maybe it would feel like a little bit constricting or constraining, right? So because there's not enough space in your body. So you definitely want to move your body around in order to be able to fully feel comfortable in this new garment of yours in this new item of clothing right so that's one and then you want to keep that item on essentially those codes those that integration is going to keep happening right um in in in, in the next few days because again like integration of energies is not immediate it takes time right another thing that i want you to imagine is um I would like for you to download your own set of God or Goddess codes. The way we're going to do that is with the help of your spinal cord. 
I don't know if whether you realize it or not, but essentially your spinal cord contains not only the history of your full lineage, but also um, like the signs is like a map. It contains, you know, if, if, if human beings knew how to read the language of the vertebrae and the language of the spinal cord, uh, it's better than knowing astrology for uh, like an, an individual particular human because you can read somebody's whole soul journey as well as this the path for this incarnation just through the vertebrae so anytime we want to upgrade the body we definitely want to upgrade the vertebrae because the vertebrae the spinal cord is essentially like your cent the central axis of your body and as such it impacts everything in its vicinity and around it uh, to a very very high degree so i want you to imagine that there is a stream of golden light coming from the heavens straight into your crown center and this is no ordinary stream this is a stream from source consciousness with the codes these are the golden codes essentially if you zoom in you would notice that it's like symbols and numbers that are floating in your head right now like an avalanche these are the codes to the kind of god or goddess that you are these are the keys to your unique particular goddess or god consciousness or emanation or vibration or flavor, if you will, that is unique to you and that you are meant to integrate and embody. So you want to imagine that it's flowing through your crown center and then as it flows down your body, it goes on towards the backside of your body, right? And actually starts flowing in a stream down your spinal cord, down the central axis of your body. And as it does, imagine that around each vertebrae, there is like a little vortex that is created, or like a little golden spiral that is created, right? And each of your vertebrae is starting to integrate the codes. It's almost like it wants to, each, imagine that each of your vertebrae turns into a little bit of a sponge. It's like hungry and thirsty for these codes. So you want your vertebrae to absorb as much of this golden stream of energy as is humanely possible. And then as you know, your one of your vertebrae are, you know, um, are absorbing, the other ones might be integrating. So you just kind of, you don't want to constrict the flow that, you know, that energy needs to start floating essentially down to your tailbone and then start floating um, into the ground. It's fine if it, uh, if it goes into earth, don't worry about it. And as that happens, imagine that each vertebrae becomes its own vortex all of the uh, toxicity, all of the damages, any any of the bad stuff that doesn't, you know, is not meant to be a part of that area of your body, a part of that vertebrae, would get automatically removed. But the most important part is these codes get absorbed, they get integrated, they get um, inherently accepted by by your body through the vertebrae and through uh, through your spinal cord. So you want to enable that process to happen. It's not a quick process. You know, it may take up to 15 minutes. If you don't have the patience or you don't have the time, it is fine. You may just, you know, you may come out of this meditation with the intention or having stated your intention that you want the process to complete as is intended, right? And you're fully willing and ready to receive the codes of your your own god goddess energy your own creator creator's energy and you want it to be fully integrated in your body you know with your highest good in mind and however long it takes it takes you know so you, essentially you don't have to complete the process 
in that one sitting or in that one go. So that, you know, that is how I would start integrating a God or goddess consciousness in your body. There is so much that you could do, you guys. There is so much that is waiting for you on the other side. If you accept yourself, if you start treating yourself as the creator or the creators that you are, as the wonder that you are, as the God goddess that you are, it is not a form of arrogance and it is not a form of pride. It is form of uh, it is a form of understanding that you come from a limitless source. And that source is you and you are that source and essentially you are one and indivisible. Any type of division is a fallacy. Any type of division is an illusion, is a maya. It is not here to stay and it does not represent the ultimate truth. And as such, it is not arrogant to think of yourself as a god or a goddess. In fact, it is completely delusional to think anything otherwise. You came to this life, you came into this planet to transcend what's possible for humanity. And you, you're starting with yourself, right? You came here to start leveling up, upgrading the codes, to start getting outside of your comfort zone and to transcend all of the old dogmas, all of the old programming, all of the old fallacies, the belief systems, the mental constructs that are no longer serving humanity, no longer serving you. And the path of doing that is the path of accepting yourself as someone that has limitless power, as someone who's in charge of your own life, as somebody who is able to make choices, as somebody that is wholesome and perfect, complete and in full integrity the way you already are. You don't need to graduate from someplace you don't need to keep studying, learning to get into a place of this wholesome per perfection. You already are by the virtue of you being an emanation of source consciousness. So start living your life as a creator or creatress that you are and not a slave or a martyr that you are not. This is my intention for you and for the world. Thank you for being with me today, and I'm sure we will get back to this topic in one of our future episodes. I'm sending you so much love. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A dot com. We hope to see you in future episodes.